What is it about antimicrobial resistance? What are the societal and ethical implications of synthetic biology? How does scientific research work in real life? Welcome to AM Podcast. Hi, and welcome to AM Podcast. My name is Kira, and for today's episode, I would love to introduce you to Dr. Nadine Siemert. After graduating with her PhD from the Humboldt University Berlin, she worked as a researcher at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in La Jolla, California. Since 2014, she's been back in Germany and working as a professor for natural product genome mining at the Interfacultary Institute of Microbiology and Infection Medicine here for the University of Tübingen. Since she's directly involved in the development of bioinformatic tools with the aim to discover novel natural products, as well as their evolution and distribution throughout different species, we'd like to talk to her about her work and its impact, especially in the medical sector. So thank you, Nadine, for joining me today. Um, and yeah, it would be lovely if you could maybe give the listeners and me a quick overview about um, like which project you're involved in at the moment and what it's all about. Yes, so I'm um, like the name of my research program or my professorship is already called um, uh, it's applied nature product genome mining or translational nature product genome mining. And I think that's a lot of there are a lot of um, nouns that people might not know what that means and what that is. Um, my professorship is mainly about how we can use bioinformatics or computer science uh, to find new antibiotics. Um, this is a really important thing because um, as maybe a lot of you know, um, antibiotics are really important in medicine. There's, I mean, um, before we discovered antibiotics, um, infectious diseases like pests uh, or cholera uh, were like really, um, there was nothing you could do against it. Tuberculosis, um, people were just sent outside to get fresh air and um, sunshine. So um, the, the disease rate and the, the death rate were really high. I think people uh, were only became 46 years old on average. And then thanks to antibiotics, um, we found our um, holy grail to have a weapon against these infectious diseases. Um, so um, it started with the discovery of penicillin and then all the other antibiotic classes. Um, and with that, um, people thought, okay, now we have a weapon against infectious diseases. And um, now we don't need to, to worry anymore. We, so infectious diseases are done. We found a cure against it. Unfortunately, bacteria as they are um, that, that cause these diseases um, found a way to overcome antibiotics. They developed uh, resistances so that um, they easily can deal with these antibiotics and the antibiotics don't kill these bacteria anymore. So, um, and these resistances are actually on the rise and in such a way that since 2000. 19 or so, the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, declared these antibiotic resistances or the antibiotic resistance crisis as one of the 10 global health threats in the world. So that's how bad it is. Um, alone in Germany, a lot of people die every year because of these resistance um, pathogens, and there's not much 
um, that we're doing at the moment because there's not many new antibiotics that come on the market. It's a long pipeline to really develop these antibiotics that takes up to 10 years and there's not much in the pipeline against um, a lot of um, these resistant pathogens, um, especially these so-called escape bacteria. These are special um, bacteria that are um, that uh, cause certain diseases. Um, these are the, the priority number one, according to the WHO, and there's really no antibiotic that, that helps against those. Um, and so there's different ways to, to tackle this problem. And one of the ways that we are working in the, um, uh, in the, in our lab is, um, we want to find ways how computational work, how to, um, use, um, bioinformatics and genome information of these bacteria to, um, help finding novel antibiotics. So how do we do that? Um, for that, you have to know that a lot of antibiotics that work against bacteria are actually coming from bacteria as well. Mm -hmm. So I think 90% or so of these um, um, antibiotics that we're using in the clinic are actually so-called secondary metabolites or nature products produced by bacteria. These are mostly actinomycetes, um, specific bacteria in the soil that produces antibiotics naturally to use them as weapons against um, enemies, against um, uh, to, to, to fight their territory. And uh, knowing that then we can really look into the genome of these bacteria and um, decode their DNA to then be able to um, be able to um, pre-analyze um, the genomes to see what kind of antibiotics can these bacteria produce. Are there new ones? Are there already no ones? And can we look into these bacteria to actually find novel antibiotics? How would you um, find out, like, what's the process? Uh, how do you know which, um, uh, which antimicrobial product um, the bacteria produces? Like, how would you get that information? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually a big part of our um, of our work, really. So there's a lot of databases available right now. So um, I mean, every information, everything that um, a, um, organism is able to make or to produce um, is somehow encoded in the DNA as kind of a blueprint of an organism, right? And once we figured out how we, how we can read this DNA, we can predict what kind of compounds they make. That means we need to know what kind of genes and enzymes and proteins are involved in making these antibiotics. So it's called the biosynthesis of these. And this biosynthesis is a very stepwise process that we actually know now, thanks to a lot of nature product chemists and biosynthetic people that figure these out. And um, um, one part of the computational work is making databases that are able to detect all the genes that are involved in antibiotic um, biosynthesis. Um, or, and that, uh, for example, when we think of penicillin, that um, uh, you have a database where you have the whole genes in bacteria, it's really nice. They are clustered within one location, so that are usually big gene clusters that can contain 
um, up to like 50, 60 different genes that include regulators, um, transporters, and all the different biosynthetic enzymes. And these are usually within one part of the genome and um, uh, right next to each other. And so if I then detect bioinformatically um, what kind of genes that are most likely encoding an antibiotic, I can take these genes and directly compare them by different methods to um, the gene clusters that are already known. And then I know, okay, um, this is most likely a very similar or the same compound that is encoded there, or it is a new one. And then the next step would be if it's a new one to somehow translate the DNA into the chemistry that is produced. And that we do by comparing it to what kind of enzymes to what kind of chemical reaction. And so we can stepwise really predict some, in some cases better than others, how the um, product that is encoded there might look. And then there's a next step. Then, of course, you still have to uh, find the chemical compound. That's super interesting. Are you uh, researching on specific gene clusters or like of a specific type, or is it more all of them? Um, so far, we're um, interested in all of them. I mean, um, in some projects, we're looking at um, the evolution of these certain gene clusters, for example, these um, glycopeptides like vancomycin is a very well-known antibiotic that is kind of the last resort antibiotic. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple of these glycopeptides um, known that we use in the clinic as antibiotic. And we are interested in one case, just to see how these things diversify in nature, why nature makes these different antibiotics, because they probably don't make it because we use it as, um, as drugs, right? So that's one thing. So we can learn a lot from these evolutionary processes um, to make kind of unnatural um, antibiotics, right? To use synthetic biology to, to mix and match and, and um, uh, create uh, new variants. But um, what we're interested in in general is um, really getting a better picture of um, where can we find novel antibiotics? What kind of bacteria can produce these antibiotics? And um, a lot of bacteria can um, encode a lot of different nature products and not all of them are antibiotics. So one big project or one, one thing that uh, we are working on is really figuring out um, when we have a lot of gene clusters to figure out which one encode novel antibiotics with novel mode of actions, because the mode of action of an antibiotic is really uh, important. It tells you what kind of enzyme um, or what kind of cellular process is disturbed in the cell um, so that the, the target cell, the pathogen, then, then gets killed. And um, so you want to find a new antibiotic and to bring it to the clinic, really, you would prefer to have an antibiotic with a new mode of action. Because if you have the same mode of action, most likely the resistances that are out there are the same for the same antibiotic with the same mode of action. So what we're really trying to figure out right now is um, developing automatic methods, how we can predict the mode of action of these compounds, because this is still a big black box. Oh, okay. And, um like maybe to talk more about that like are there any 
species of bacteria or plants maybe um, that are like the most promising to look for antibacterial compounds in? Yeah, that's that's um, why I think genome mining is so, so interesting. So for a long time, um, the way antibiotics have been found is they, they usually um, isolate a strain first and then um, grow it in the lab and then they extract the uh, these these um, strains and look if the extracts kill something in the lab and what people knew doing that since the um, 40s 50s is that the soil bacteria and especially these actinomycete bacteria um, produce a lot of antibiotics a lot of the things like tetracycline streptomycines um, um, these glycobeptides, mancomycin, all these antibiotics that we know, they are actually produced by these soil-dwelling bacteria. Um, especially one genus, Streptomyces, has been explored for a while. And then there's kind of different ways to, to, to um, look for novel antibiotics. Some say, okay, these, these special bacteria in the past have been shown that they are able to produce a lot of antibiotics. So there's this one part that um, of, of researchers looking for antibiotics that says we should focus on these and find these specific streptomyces or these actinomycetes in different soils. So they go to all over the world into different areas like the Bahamas or the Antarctic or to find these kind of specific bacteria, but from different locations thinking because then there would be a little bit different and they might make very different antibiotics. And then there is another uh, way to, to really um, try to find novel compounds. And this is by looking into different bacteria from the ones that we looked at. Because through genome mining and through looking at these different um, genomes, we know that not only these actinomycetes are able to make um, uh, these, these nature products, but there's actually a lot of other bacteria. Cyanobacteria make a lot of um, these bioactive compounds, uh, myxobacteria. So there's a lot of these different um, pseudomonas, bacillus. So a lot of different bacteria from, from very different um, uh, taxonomic groups can make these. Um, so, so, and this is one project that we're also um, trying or where we try to use all the genome data from bacteria that are available right now to really figure out what kind of bacteria um, have the most promise. So what, what should we focus on if you really need to find novel compounds? And what I can say so far is, um, what we already also know for a while is that not every bacteria makes nature products. So there's very specific taxonomic groups only that can make these. Mm -hmm. um, but these taxonomic groups are kind of spread all over the 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 tree of life of these bacteria. So it's not only actinos, but as I said, there's also a whole range of other bacteria that have been a little less explored that are able to make these um, um, antibiotics. And very interestingly, there's also, if we, we have now the possibility to, to look into environmental samples, right? So look at DNA from bacteria that haven't been cultured yet. And so if you look at these uncultured bacteria, the genomes of these uncultured bacteria, and there's a lot of these diversity out there um, in these bacteria that haven't been cultured yet. So there's now the only way 
or the, the challenge now is to really find either ways to cultivate these uncultured bacteria or find ways to harvest the chemistry of these bacteria by not cultivating them. Oh, how would you harvest like the chem chemistry of them? For example, through synthetic biology. So if I have the DNA through metagenome analysis, um, I can then predict uh, the genes, right? And the proteins. So I can, for example, then um, take the genetic information and synthesize the DNA and put it into some other bacteria that have been cultured that are similar to the one that are cultured and try that these other bacteria make the compounds that are usually only encoded in these uncultivated bacteria. So these are, this is one strategy is how we can try to find this novel chemistry. Ah, okay. So um, since we're working with cyclotides and AMPs um, in, in our project, um, would you say there's, or like, do you see the future in um, that kind of research, like uh, to fight multi-resistant pathogens? I think we should look wherever we can, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we, um, we have seen that this is a big problem. And so I think um, we should tackle this problem for multiple sites. So yes, we are looking mostly in bacteria. Other groups look in plants and plants have been shown to produce very interesting compounds and drugs, right? I mean, um, um, most nature products uh, we know are actually from plants. So I think that's, that's a valid point. What I don't know is about the cyclotides or, or antimicrobial peptides, how well they would work in the blood, right? If they get mm -hmm. digested there or, um, um, so this, this is something that, that would need to um, be figured out. But I think it's, um, it's a valid point to look there. Why would you say it is like generally important um, like to know distribution of gene clusters um, and like throughout different species? Yeah, because one major problem of the way that antibiotics have been found uh, traditionally is that people use the same methods, um, the same um, bacteria, and they tend to find the same compounds again. So if I rediscover, so it's, it's a long process that needs a lot of expertise and time. And then I tend to rediscover the same compounds over and over and over again. So um, really, if you, if you look in these soil samples and you look for the compounds that are mainly made um, then it's, um, it's the same compounds you find all the time. And that's a lot of time and money that you waste for things that are known already. And, and the, the challenge is now to really find ways to uh, find the hidden treasures that bacteria can make these compounds that they might not make usually in the lab under normal conditions. Um, that are that um, um, that that we, how how can we find that more effective and and how can we find a rationale and I think since since next generation sequencing and all the new sequencing methods we have such an amount of of genetic information right that we can really learn much more about um, these organisms in general and really use these data to find more effective ways. Um, so, so really guide our way, where should I look for novel compounds? How can I make this 
this fight for novel antibiotics more effective and not only um, not only, for example, looking for certain species or for certain certain bacteria, but also for certain environments, right? Like so far, people must go randomly. They go and select some soil somewhere, and like I said, they go to all the different locations. But maybe we can we can discover more rationale and say, okay, um, um, if you go to that specific soil, there's more. Um, there usually more antibiotics are are made there, or if you go into the human gut, your microbiome, maybe we discover some, some antibiotics that your, your own microbiome produces usually yourself. And so, um, which are, might be more specific against certain bacteria and don't, um, and don't kill all the good bacteria in your gut as well, right? All these things really, I think there's a lot of these information and all the data we have now that we try to um, filter out and gather. Um, so are you yourself involved in creating like an actual product at the end or uh, is your work and research more centered around like the steps that happen or have to happen before um, the conception of a drug or another product? Yeah, so our work is centered more really on the developing these web tools for nature product people that the people that then go downstream and really find the um find the peptides we also do some genome mining and heterologous expression and try to find these compounds but mainly we do that because i think that's a strength in our lab that we have both that we that half of my people are bioinformaticians and the other are bio biologists and they work together so that that they can actually that they know of each other problems and they can talk to each other and they can make tools that are actually really valuable um, for the nature product community, for people that might not know how to code or how to install, com install complex programs, you know, all these things. So, so our goal is to make really simple tools, uh, easily usable for everyone. Um, that that um, you don't need a lot of computational expertise to understand. That's uh, very important, of course. Um, maybe to go off on a tangent, since you were uh, talking about like the long process uh, of developing uh, products and um, even finding finding novel um, peptides. Like most pharmacy companies do not like seem to conduct um, a lot of research on novel antibacterial compounds anymore. Um, would you say that is that is a wrong impression or why, if, if not, why would they not put more money into something that actually helps of like fighting off um, such a big problem? Yeah, I think it's it's completely the right impression. I mean, a lot of big pharma actually stopped developing antibiotics. Um, I think during the last couple of years, it has been become a little better that there's more small biotechs that um, that keep keep looking for antibiotics. Um, and I think that might have multiple reasons. I'm not in industry, so I don't know. But um, if you think about that, your company, you need to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and this research is very costly. Um, it takes a lot of time. Um, and then if you think about an antibiotic, you're not supposed to use it very often and you only use it for five to six days. So very short amounts. Um, and you cannot sell it for too much money, right? So 
it's not very effective if you take a blood pressure medicine you take the rest of your whole of your life right so so um that might be much more effective um in in getting the money back that you actually put into the research and i think that is that is one one reason that um putting a drug on the market is expensive and this money for a company needs to come back in somehow right and if you cannot make that much money because especially when you use these antibiotics um, that that come new on the market you don't want to use them as often right you should only use them really as a last resort and so um, I think that is one of the problems and that's why the public sector and um, you know research needs to help to make that process actually um, more effective. So you're you're part of making this process more effective. So would you consider the research your group does um, to be a part of making research for antibiotics in the future uh, more effective and and better and easily more easily accessible for um, like big pharma companies even? Yes, I know that that uh, some companies use our tools, right? Especially mm-hmm. um, to companies that are still working really on the very part, very beginning part of the drug discovery itself. Um, so I know that they use these tools or use kind of make remake these tools and use it then um, in their own pipelines. Yes, I think that's that's for sure one reason, and that's why I like this research. So it's really. Um, I mean, I am interested in that as an academic researcher. Um, I'm interested in a lot of these questions because I want to know, I want to know how that works, right? I want to know why do these bacteria make these antibiotics? I want to know where do these, what do these antibiotics have? Um, what kind of impact do they have on microbial communities? If you think about it um, in the soil, when one bacterium suddenly makes a strong antibiotic that can um, kill a lot of its, its um, neighbors, you would think that this would have a huge impact on the community, but this is really not understood at all. But whatever we find there, um, whatever we, we really um, understand, it's always important for drug discovery, right? So, so every basic research question that I wanted to, to get answered is also very important um, for, drug disco- for, for antibiotic discovery, because only when we understand who makes these drugs, when do they make these drugs, really understanding the complex regulation of these genes, um, only then we can actually find the actual compound and bring it on the market. What would you say is like the, the question you're personally like most involved in or what, what interests you the most? Both. I think that's why I, why I like nature product research because um, of course, I'm interested in how things work and why they work um, and, and how complex. I'm, I'm fascinated by the complex life of these um, so-called simple organisms, bacteria, right? And, and um, knowing all these different metabolites they can make and the different metabolic pathways they, they can use um, and the complex lifestyles and regulation and um, to really understand that and see how that works is, is fascinating. But I think the big or important part of that research for me is that this is also really important for our everyday life. 
Yeah, that's that's wonderful, honestly. Um, would you say, um, since you you were talking about um, that it is a major part in in researching novel um, antibiotics, um, like, but the problem we're facing is not is like the multi-resistance pathogens, of course. Would you say um, your research could have an impact on that as well, or is it just it has an impact on that through more antibiotics? Or what, what always comes together is, you know, like these nature products, they're evolving into diverse new compounds. And what, what, what evolves as well is the resistance. So there's always some co-evolution going on. And so if we understand the evolution of the compounds, also we can understand the evolution of the resistance. So there's something we might learn there. But I think a completely different part that I'm not working on, but that is just as equally important, is to prevent this resistance spreading by using antibiotics, you know, antibiotic stewardship. So not using them, not overusing them, um, not using them necessarily in agriculture, if not really necessary, um, all these things. So where I don't see our research particular involved, but this is just as important, I would say, as finding. So one part of, of, um, of, of fighting this resistance is finding new antibiotics, finding more specific antibiotics um, and, and finding new mode of actions. But the other part also is antibiotic stewardship. So maybe as a, a as a last question, a future like some sort of future outlook. Where would you um, wish your research to go, or what what is the next goal you uh, you want to deal with? Um, so what we want to do is want to use more the big data part. We have more and more um, things that we learn now with all these data that we have available, all these bacterial genomes that are available available now on these databases. And I think what we can do right now is using more machine learning methods to more easily predict what kind of um, um, compounds are made, uh, improving our way of really predicting these compounds um, better and their mode of action specifically. So. Um, and uh, so, so that would be a, one role that we go in, but also um, really the, the big goal that we have multiple projects as well is to understand more the chemistry of these uncultivated bacteria and use metagenomic techniques and synthetic biology to really be able to also harvest all the chemical space that's encoded in these so far um, not cultivated and not yet discovered um, bacteria. Yeah, I honestly wish you the best uh, of, of luck. And uh, I'm very much looking, looking forward to um, the new and improved antibiotics um, that hopefully um, are born of your uh, research as in the end. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here and uh, being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. So if we look at these uncultured bacteria, and there's a lot of these diversity out there, a lot of these information and all the data we have now that we try to um, filter out and gather. I think the big or important part of that research for me is that this is also really important for our everyday life.